Hello, and welcome to We Live for Saturday, your favorite college football podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike, and with me, as always, is your other co-host, John. John, how are you doing this evening? Doing all right. Um, You know, they're still feeling the sting of the loss of last weekend, but I'm learning learning how to cope and, uh, you know, getting through it one day at a time, man. That's it. Yeah, I find focusing as hard as I can on the upcoming slate of games and kind of burying myself in that is helping. I'm trying to help at least distract myself from what happened last Saturday. Yep. Same. Yeah. All right. Um, So we've got some news out of Michigan State. Mel Tucker is officially fired. So he's not he's not he was waiting to be fired before. And now he's been officially fired with cause. So I believe that means that MSU won't have to pay him anything. And so that will be the end of that saga. And the next thing. And so, you know, our thoughts are obviously with, you know, everyone who's dealing with that and who's, you know, all the survivors out there who are triggered by this whole situation. Um, But the next thing as we move past that will be, a coaching search. So we're not going to get too in depth into that tonight or anything. Um, there are a lot of names flying out there as there always are when there are coaching searches, but we will come back and we'll talk about that a little more as, as things progress. But right now we are going to talk about some football, but first of all, John, did you want to make an announcement? Yeah, uh, just to remind everybody again, this podcast, We Live for Saturday, can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podcast Addict. And you can find us on Twitter at We Live for B1G Sat, at We Live for B1G Sat. Awesome. And so, yeah, please find us on Twitter, DM us. You know, tweet at us. We're happy to engage and talk about all things Big Ten football. You know, any questions you have, we'll definitely want to work up to a mailbag episode. So if you want to get your questions in early, you can for sure be included when we get around to one of those. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Let's jump into this week five Big Ten preview. We have 4-0, and number six, Penn State at 2-2 and Northwestern. This is an 11 a.m. game on the Big Ten Network. The line is Penn State negative 27. Total yards. Average Penn State um, averages 450 yards, while Northwestern averages 338. Yards allowed. Penn State's giving up 220 yards, while Northwestern is giving up 372. Now, if we look at uh, SP Plus rankings, now to remind everyone, SP SP plus rankings are a measure of efficiency in college football, whether we're talking offense, defense, and special teams. It sort of distills a lot of different um, statistics into one kind of catch-all statistic to give you an idea of where teams rank in comparison to all the other teams in the country. And as we know, there are 133 FBS teams now. So you can get an idea of where people rank on that scale. So SP plus Penn State is 27th there or 10 state is number 10 overall they are 27th offensively third defensively and 107th on special teams which Hmm. is a little strange 
Um, Northwestern is 93rd overall. They are 110th offensively, 71st defensively, and 53rd on special teams. Drew Aller's got 903 yards passing this year for Penn State at 67% completion percentage on 7.2 yards per attempt, eight TDs, and no interceptions. Drew Aller has been as as made better decisions than any quarterback in the country, seemingly. So he's been really fantastic. That's especially impressive for a first-time starter. Katron Allen and Nick Singleton lead a rushing attack that averages 4.4 yards per rush, but I think that's a little uh, distorted from when they're grinding out big leads and things like that. It's been a pretty efficient, effective running game. Keandre Lambert-Smith's been dominant at wide receiver with 286 yards, three TDs on 21 catches. And wide receiver Harrison Wallace and the two tight ends, Warren and Johnson, have also been productive. Um, Penn State's been the most Big Ten's most complete team thus far, excelling both on offense and defense. Penn State's D's been elite, and their rush D has been fantastic, allowing just 82 yards per game. Guys like linebacker Curtis Jacobs, safety Jalen Reed are making plays all over the field. Up front, lots of guys are making plays from Isaac to Durant to Robinson to Fisher to more than that as they rotate a fair amount on the front line. Uh, For Northwestern, Ben Bryant has 804 yards passing on 60% completions, but just a paltry 5.9 yards per attempt. Cam Porter leads the Cats run game with a 4.1 yards per rush average. He's been reliable, if unspectacular. He's also been a weapon in the passing game. Um, Cam Johnson and AJ Henning have been good second bananas at wide receiver, but last game against Minnesota, Bryce Kurtz showed, in my opinion, that he's the number one wide receiver in that room. I expect him to be featured prominently going forward. Uh, He couldn't have had a bigger coming out party. And the questions for Northwestern are, can they play like they did in the fourth quarter against Minnesota, or will they continue to look the way they looked in the rest of that game and the rest of the season? That will tell the tale of how many more games they win, I think. So, John, what are you thinking about this one? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to be where are they going to be able to continue to ride this high and ride this momentum? Um, I know some coaches don't believe in momentum, but I do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I do, too. uh, For the record. Um, I, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see that if they can come out, um, you know, whether or not they start flat or if they continue to, to be able to move the ball the way they were, especially through the air. I think Kurtz, you know, is definitely shown to be, uh, incredibly impressive, man. You know, I did not see that one coming. I didn't have him on my radar and I probably should have, um, last week, but, uh, yeah, so I think it'll be good to see that. I think they're, you know, they're gonna have to be balanced, obviously, though. Um, they're gonna have to get Cam Porter going. And, you know, if they become one dimensional, obviously, Penn State is, you know, good enough to, to shut them down, obviously, on both ends. But, um, it'll be interesting, I guess, just to see. I, I don't expect a win out of Northwestern. I, I expect you know Penn State to pretty much dominate this game, but I am going to be looking to see um, how competitive Northwestern can be uh, for for future games, just to see you know how well they're going to be able to compete in the West. Yeah, I mean, if they're if Northwestern is going to win and compete, because you know the running game is iffy. They're going to have to do it with those explosive pass plays, Mm. and they will need plenty of those against the Big Ten's most complete team, Penn State. I agree with you. I think Penn State continues to dominate as they have every opponent so far this year. 
that's more of a commentary on Penn State than it is on Northwestern, honestly. Yeah. But I do think the Wildcats found something offensively. So I think that I think they'll get on the board. I wasn't I maybe I'd been looking at this as a shutout before seeing that offensive explosion out of Northwestern last week. But now I think they they will do a little more and I think they'll move the ball a little bit at times, but um Penn State is just is just really strong. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, it'd be interesting to see a Bryant because, um, you know, he wasn't as accurate in the first half of the game. Yeah, um, you saw him just be, you know, like a foot, you know, a foot away sometimes from from completing some big passes in that first half. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if he'll be able to create any of those those that level of explosive plays um, against a defense as stout as Penn State. Yep, absolutely. All right. Should we pick it? Yeah. All right, I have the Penn State Nittany Lions 42, Northwestern Wildcats 6. Okay. I have the Penn State Nittany Lions at 38 and Northwestern at 7. I think they're going to get one touchdown. They're going to sneak something in. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I think they're going to get on the board as well. Um, but Penn State's just been so good this year. Yeah. All right. Uh, I will say the thing that the cats have going for them is it's a sleepy 11 a.m. start at Ryan Field. So maybe maybe they catch Penn State a little sleepy, a little, you know, and in the first quarter and they can get off, you know, they can get off to a good start. We'll see. It'll be interesting, kind of like how Rutgers, you know, was able to get that early touchdown on Michigan and then that woke them up. Um, I'm kind of I'm I'm. I'm interested to see if that happens, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if I'm like expecting that, but that could happen. All right. Moving on to the next game. We have the three and one Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns at the two and two Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is an 11 a.m. game on the Big Ten Network. The line is Minnesota negative 11. Total yards. Louisiana averages 479 to Minnesota's 341. Yards allowed, Louisiana is giving up 337 to Minnesota's 365. Uh, Minnesota has dropped again in SP+. So they started out the year 32nd, and they are currently down all the way to 54th. Um, Minnesota ranks 87th on offense, 22nd on defense, and 47th on special teams. And sorry, 54th overall. Minnesota's 54th overall. Louisiana is 67th overall. They rank 43rd on offense, 92nd on defense, and 28th on special teams. Um, Louisiana's starting quarterback was QB uh, Ben Wooldridge. However, Wooldridge suffered a foot injury and is out for the foreseeable future, according to their coach. In his absence, the Raging Cajuns have turned a redshirt frosh Zeon Chris, who is a dual threat QB, and Chris has delivered. Um, he's completing 74% of his passes for 8.6 yards per attempt for two TDs, but two interceptions. He's also carried the ball for a gaudy 10.3 yards per rush average. And he has four TDs on the ground. So Minnesota will absolutely have to account for Chris's legs on Saturday. Um, Louisiana's top two running backs are averaging over nine yards per rush, which is pretty wild. Jacob Cabote and Draylon Washington. And Louisiana has four wide receivers who have caught at least 10 balls. They really spread the ball evenly among uh, Broussard, Bernard, Williams, and LeBlanc. Um, 
They've been dominant in their wins, but they were exposed defensively by Old Dominion in a 38-31 loss. Uh, we talked about how Chris is really dynamic with his legs and how UL has an effective ground attack. Uh, Minnesota is going to have to neutralize the ground game and try to make them one dimensional and force Chris to beat them with his arm, not his legs. In my opinion, uh, Minnesota's issues are in the secondary where they've given up over 800 yards passing the last two games. One of those games was to Drake may one of those was not, um, the Minnesota offense, eighth and Cali McManus completing 55% of his passes for 599 yards, but just 5.6 yards per attempt. And he's got three TDs to go with three picks. Darius Taylor has been phenomenal at running back with 532 yards and 6.1 yards per rush and four TDs. However, he got banged up towards the end of the last game and with no injury report until Saturday. Uh, we don't know what his status is. Um, so it's probably going to be up to the depth to play this game. I would imagine there's a decent chance Darius is out. Um, we don't know that for sure. Of course, we're just speculating, which is, you know, sort of the whole point of the podcast. And <laughs> we've got, we'll see if Sean Tyler, Bryce Williams, and maybe even Zach Evans get in to see what they can do in relief of Darius Taylor. I would think that even if Taylor plays, they're probably going to want at least one other back to get some carries. Mm -hmm. um, at wide receiver, Corey Crooms and Daniel Jackson have been the most consistent gophers. They lead them in receiving Minnesota has gotten really poor tight end play out of former star Brevin span forward, who was a big receiver for them a year ago. John, how are you seeing this game? Well, um, it's hard to be optimistic. Uh, you know, I, I do think, you know, I'll start by saying that I do think Minnesota should win this game. Um, that should be the case at, at the at the once the clock hits zero um but you know that was what i thought last week so um and this team is better um than the northwestern team that minnesota just played and uh you know and that's according to ryan burns who uh, you know he knows all things go for football he would and if it's if it's coming out of his mouth he probably knows what he's talking about um you know, they look more physical than Northwestern. Uh, you know, they the only thing is, I guess that I can say is that they really haven't played anyone. I think we're the only power five team on their schedule. Um, mm. So you could say they haven't played anyone, but, you know, we'll see. You could have said, you know, something similar in a way to, to about Northwestern. But, uh, you know, I think the the dual threat quarterback is going to be a problem for Minnesota because it has been a problem for Minnesota. We, you know, even quarterbacks that don't have legs um, seem to still find ways to escape the pocket and, you know, scramble for a first down every once in a while. Um, so that's, that's going to be an issue. Minnesota's defense is definitely going to have to account for that. You know, th this offense likes to spread the ball all over. They definitely target a lot of receivers. Um, they're solid on the, in the run game as well. Uh, their old line play looks good, um, you know, so it's this is going to be a tougher game than, you know, I guess what we what we would hope for. Uh, this is not going to necessarily be just a get right game where we figure things out and, um, you know, kind of cruise through it to an easy win. Uh, so Minnesota is really going to have to step up and show up um, defensively, especially, which I never thought I would have to say that, at least not in a number of years have I felt that way. But they're going to have to have a big game and they're going to have to be disciplined. They're going to have to tackle better. 
those linebackers are going to really have to get their, you know, stuff in order. Um, and, and we're not going to, we can't get, you know, Minnesota can't get beat deep anymore. It just can't happen. So there's a lot to go through here. Um, not having Cody Lindenberg is, I think is, you know, I, I he may be out for the season is kind of where I'm starting to lean at this point. I hope I mean, not. we just don't know. We, we just don't have know. any idea because we haven't heard anything. And he warmed up for, he warmed up a week ago against North Carolina, but he didn't warm up at all against Northwestern. Yeah. And I think so we Nor- don't know if he tweaked it or yeah. if it's got worse or what the deal is. And I think that's what Burns is like. He's, he's kind of, even he said he, that he's leaning towards that. Maybe this is a wash of a season for Lindenberg, which is, yeah. which really sucks. It's devastating. He's the, you know, he's the second best player on that defense. Yeah. And he's a huge leader in that linebacking core. So that's tough. Um, but yeah, uh, but I think if if we're going to if Minnesota is going to win this game on offense, you know, obviously Ethan is going to have to have a solid game. He's going to have to have a solid performance like he had last week. Uh, the receivers are going to continue to have to do do well. Um, I, I'm at this point. I don't have a lot of hope for Brevin. I would rather see some uh, some younger um, guys start to rotate in. Not saying don't play him, but. Let's see what other guys got. Um, and then yeah, I, I think w- it's worse getting Caller up or gears in there and seeing what they can do. Yeah. I, I and I, and I also think that with same thing with, with Ev- like just let Tyler run the ball. Number one. And I, and what are we waiting on Evans for again? I mean, I've been begging for this kid to see some touches for weeks now, and I don't understand why. Um, Cause all we've heard about for years is how good he is. So I'd like to see it. Um, cause we also just need to develop Minnesota needs to develop more running backs. Like we, yeah, you can't get by with one running back in the big 10. No, you have to have, you have to have three that can play. Absolutely. And Minnesota has not taken the time early in the season to develop their depth at running back. Well, and the whole thing that we've heard from PJ is a pair and a spare right now. Yep. That's not happening. So yeah, man, uh, you know, I, I'm expecting a bounce back game for our defense. Um, I'll be interested to see if McDonald, um, now that he's been el- now that he's eligible, to see if he plays any kind of part in this defense. Uh, see how he does. If he if they if he even does see the field, we'll have we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, man, um, I don't have a lot of hope, but I I am leaning towards a go for win in this game. Yeah, I think you talk about the trouble with dual threat quarterbacks and quarterbacks in general and something that's been a consistent Joe Rossi's defenses have largely been really good. But one thing that's been a consistent problem with them is converting their pressures into sacks. Mm -hmm. And too often you see a Minnesota defensive lineman or linebacker break through into the backfield and have a straight up shot at the quarterback and just miss. Yep. And you can't be doing that. Because that that changes a drive. If you go from a sack, then you have a chance for, you know, for time and a longer completion because the quarterbacks had time because you missed the sack that you should have had. And now the receivers have been able to get downfield. And now instead of having a sack, they can complete something, you know, for 10 plus yards. So that's something I want to see the Gophers do. I want to see them when they get pressures, I want to see them convert them to sacks, but also they just need to, they need to take away Chris's legs. They have to make him throw to beat them because if he's going to run the ball effectively, then it's going to be a long day at the bank. Yep. Awesome. All right. 
should we anything else you want to say about it or should we pick it uh yeah again sorry just one more thing um you know can we just put tyler returning kicks i mean this is what this guy this is like part of the reason why i thought we brought him over after what he did at western michigan last year but you know okay yeah sean tyler's on a milk carton yeah i mean it is it is ridiculous that the fact that he is not getting any run he had he had one game where he made now granted it was big mistakes he fumbled three times yes but how long are you in a doghouse for one bad game well he's been in the doghouse he's been in the doghouse for three games now it's like pj the season's season's going away you gotta let you gotta let guys out of the doghouse because they gotta play and he had two 1000 yard season right two two 1000 yard season yeah yes like yes he's not bad he's a a good player yeah so come on man like you brought him in thinking he was going to be your starting running back he's a good player he needs to get the ball uh clearly i'm still frustrated so all right yeah no (laughs) that's here yeah all right i'm with you all right let's pick it okay i've got fingers crossed minnesota 31 louisiana 17 Oh, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I need to. I am. I am. I don't trust that PJ isn't going to stay in his shell and continue to play risk averse dressel ball. Uh, so I am expecting a lower score. I'm I'm thinking 24 Minnesota to 17 Louisiana. Sure. Yeah. All right. Moving on in the next game and the next time slot, we've got the number two four and zero Michigan Wolverines at the two and two Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is a two thirty p.m. game on Fox. The line is Michigan negative seventeen. Total yards: Michigan averages four hundred and five to Nebraska's three fifty nine. Yards allowed: Michigan's allowing just two hundred and thirty one, and Nebraska uh, two hundred and ninety eight. In the SP Plus, Michigan is number one in the country in the SP Plus rankings. They are 13th offensively, first defensively, and 16th on special teams. So really strong across the board. Uh, Nebraska is 59th in SP Plus. They are 85th offensively, 28th defensively, and 112th on special teams. Both teams are given up under 100 yards rushing. Michigan's allowing 80 yards and Nebraska is giving up just 46 yards on the ground, which is really impressive for Michigan. JJ McCarthy is completing 80% of his passes on 915 yards, a 10.3 yards per attempt, which is really solid. Eight TDs and three picks. Blake Corum leads the way with 351 yards on 6.1 yards per attempt. He also has eight TDs. Um, wide receivers, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, and tight end Colston Loveland are the leading receivers for this team. And right now Michigan's firing on all cylinders and is torching one team after the next. Oh, can I say, I'm going to go on a little side rant here. I've heard people say on podcasts and whatnot, why isn't Michigan blowing people out? 31 to six is a blowout. That's a blowout. I don't know what you want. I guess what you're saying is why aren't they scoring 50 points? You don't need to score 50 points to dominate a team and run them off the field. Agreed. And I think it's absolutely silly that people are criticizing Michigan for doing what Harbaugh does and just grinding the ball, passing it efficiently, and breaking your will. (laughs) Yes. I mean, 
it's it's again michigan is first in the country in sp plus they're doing something right so i would the, adva- I would the advanced stats love that. michigan sorry what go ahead what'd you say i would kill to have a coach with that mentality oh absolutely yeah um all right and uh, on the flip side Nebraska is led by a good defense. Players like DBs Omar Brown and Isaac Gifford are making plays all over the field. Up front, Na- up front Nash Hutmacher has been really effective. On offense, Nebraska wants to run the ball with QB Heinrich Harburg, who has almost as many yards rushing, 272, as passing 278. And at just 51% completion percentage, the run game is by far the Huskers' best chance to move the ball. And Anthony Grant's been the guy at RB now that Irvin and Johnson are out for the year. So my big question is, can Michigan run on Nebraska? If not, that could give the Horn, the Cornhuskers a chance to be competitive. If Michigan can run the ball, though, it's going to be a long day for Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So what are you thinking about this one, John? I agree, man. <clears throat> you know, I think when it comes to Nebraska, you know, can they win this game by running the ball the way they have? Can they can they run this quarterback into the ground, you know, against this Michigan defense? That's like, that's going to be, they haven't played a defense this good yet. No. Um, You know, will they have to pass the ball to win? You know, I personally don't think they can. Um, I think their passing game is uh, just a little bit below average at this point. I think it's a little um, worse than the stats look even. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they've got Fedoni, but like, that's about it. And it's not like they're, you know, they're completing anything, um, any, you know, any kind of any deep passes or anything like that at any point. I don't really time. trust Harburg as a passer either. I don't either, but I also don't trust Sims. Um, and that's actually, well, the biggest... I definitely don't trust yeah. Sims at all. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I trust Harburg to run the ball and play hard at least yeah. and take care of the ball. Yeah, and that's the other thing too is I do trust Harburg even when he is going to pass that he's going to make a better decision than Sims would, um, more often than not um, by comparison. Now, does Rule play Sims if he's healthy at all? Do they do do they play both quarterbacks? Because that's what I'm not so sure. But is Sims healthy? I'm not sure at this point in time. Yeah, it's unclear with how healthy Sims is, and they say he's you know getting better and getting ready, but. Is he able to play or is it like an emergency thing where he could only come in if, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, whether he's really ready to go or not. Well, that's that's my if I well, I'm interested to see what happens there. But like in defensively with Nebraska, you know, can they shut down this Michigan running attack? Because this is with this offensive line, you know, it's it's one of the best, if not the best in the country. So that's going to be really tough to see, or, or that'll be interesting to see that. I uh, went out with Michigan, you know, is Edwards going to get more in this game? Or are they going to try to, to, to run both? Um, because we, we haven't seen a lot of Edwards recently. Like we said, we speculated last week, like whether or not he may be dinged up, um, you know, I guess we'll have to find out. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, is this deep, this Nebraska, you know, run defense as good as what it's shown to be. And I think it is really good, but can it withstand the onslaught of Michigan? And obviously, you know, you now have to account for not just the running backs, but JJ's legs, the, and then just, you know, the passing game, like, like we've talked about, that's just so surgical. Um, It's, it's going to be tough, man. I, I don't see Nebraska pulling this out, but what I'll be looking for is to see, Again, um, how competitive they could be in this game. Yeah, I want to know what the first quarter looks like. Yeah. Like, is it going to be a thing where Nebraska goes blow for blow for a while? 
Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's only eventually by attrition that Michigan eventually wears Nebraska down, which is kind of what happened in Nebraska this year is they eventually wear down. We saw that against, you know, Colorado and, and I think could see that against Michigan. Or is it a thing where Michigan comes out just clicking on all cylinders and hits the ground running from the start? Cause I well, could see it going, I could see it going either way. Absolutely. And you wonder if like, obviously after last week when they, they looked like they were obviously still asleep when they, uh, during that first drive with Rutgers, um, are, are they just not going to let that happen this week? And I, I could see, you know, Harbaugh making sure that that doesn't happen again and they just dominate from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if they can stop, if they can stop the Nebraska run game on the flip side, then Nebraska's not, then Nebraska is not going to have much time of possession. Yeah. All right. Should we pick it? Let's pick it. Yeah. All right. I think that Nebraska is competitive for a while. I do. I think the defense makes it hard on Michigan in the first quarter. I think we see some punts traded and some field position played and jockeyed about in the first quarter. But ultimately, I just don't think Nebraska can throw the ball well enough to compete. And Michigan's going to stop that run game. Um, I think at some point, maybe not right away, but I think Michigan will adjust and eventually shut down that run game. So I've got the Michigan Wolverines 30, Nebraska Cornhuskers 10. Oh, wow. Um, that's actually, I I feel the same way. I think that, uh, it may take a while for Michigan's defense to kind of figure out exactly how this uh this offense is going to work with with nebraska and i think they're going to be able to run the ball until obviously i think they wear down and find out that that kind of offense is just not sustainable but i think it could work early on in the game and they'll be able to score score at least one touchdown and and get that field goal um but yeah i think at the end of the day uh it's going to turn out to be michigan's game so i have the exact same score oh wow really yeah funny yeah, <laughs> we do not discuss these things in advance. So when we when we hit on or around the same score, it is totally just a coincidence. All right, let's move on to the next game. We've got the two and two Indiana Hoosiers at the four and zero Maryland Terrapins. This is a two thirty p.m. game on the Big Ten Network. Line is Maryland negative fourteen. Total yards IU average is three hundred thirty eight to Maryland's four fifty one. Yards allowed. Indiana's giving up 342 to Maryland's 330. Uh, Maryland ranks 33rd in the country in SP plus, which is an improvement over where they started off the season. So they've, they've shown a lot of good stuff so far this year. They are 38th offensively, 19th defensively and 88th on special teams. Uh, Indiana is 85th in SP plus rankings. They are 94th offensively, 75th defensively, and 54th on special teams. QB Tavon, Tavon Jackson has 749 yards on a 63% completion percentage for 8.7 yards per attempt, two TDs, and two picks. Jalen Lucas leads the squad in rushing at 4.4 yards per rush, while Christian Turner and Josh Henderson have both also gotten carries. Um, but Lucas is the most explosive, which is why he's the leading rusher and number two receiver. Cam Camper's leading wide receiver on the team, while converted QB Donovan McCulley is also chipped in. For Maryland, they are led, as always, by Leah Tugavailoa with his, John, 1,112 yards passing on 64% completions, eight TDs, and three picks. 
Those are some stats, folks. Wow. That is over 300 yards passing a game. I mean, he's really playing well this year. Yeah. Um, Hemby and McDonald are a good RB duo. McDonald actually outplayed Hemby last game and could be the new RB one if that trend continues, which we talked about a little bit in the last episode. And wide receivers Caden Prather and Ja'Shawn Jones lead the pass catchers along with tight end Corey Dijas. Um, Indiana can move the ball a bit and they play decent defense. I think they stay in the game for a while, but ultimately, I don't know, John, I think Maryland's just too explosive offensively and eventually they pull away. What do you, what are you thinking about this one? Yeah, I agree. And after what I saw last, last week, um, with, uh, Indiana having such a problem with the, such a, with a mobile quarterback the way they did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, and Talia is now like three steps above that guy. Um, so, or more. Yeah. Um, so I think it's good. It could be a long day for Indiana. Um, I, I think they might be able to maybe hang in there for a quarter or two. Um, but then Maryland's going to pull away. I mean, that offense is just too potent. Um, I don't see how Indiana is going, even with an improved defense is going to be able to withstand that their running game now as well is, is looking incredible. So I'm, I just don't see it happening for Indiana and Maryland. The only thing again, um, I want to see, uh, is an improved, uh, see if, see if Talia can maybe stay in the pocket a little bit and, and pass with these back there. So, but overall, man, I I think this is just going to be a dominant performance by Maryland and Indiana is eventually just going to, going to get, uh, just taken down easily. Interesting. I mean, I think Indiana's defense is pretty good. I know they played poorly last week, but I think that they showed against Ohio State that they're pretty good. And in the other games that weren't last week, when last week was pretty rough, I realize. But I think Indiana's game, I think they'll come out. I think they'll be competitive for a while. I think Tom Allen will have his troops ready to go on defense. but And he might have schemed up enough things to score a little bit early on offense. But yeah, I agree. Eventually, Maryland's just going to be too much. Um, They just have too much firepower. I do think they eventually pull away. Uh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I, I just I know they played well against Ohio State. You know, I just I think that this Maryland team, especially that offense, is just running on on all cylinders right now. They are yeah. just they they're going to be tough for anyone to stop. I think, I, you know, this team, this Maryland team is even going to score on on Michigan, on Ohio State. I, I, I don't doubt that at all. I mean, let's not forget that Maryland came close to to getting Michigan last year. Yep. They fumbled a kick return, which was recovered by Michigan, and then Michigan scored a short touchdown, and that was the difference in the game. It was a one-touchdown game, and mm-hmm. the difference was they fumbled a kick and got it recovered inside the five and that was at the beginning of the game, and then they played Michigan even for the rest of the game after that. Yep. Yeah. So I, I do think Maryland has a chance to to knock off one of the one of the top three ranked teams in the Big Ten potentially if they catch them on the right day. Yeah, I agree. All right, should we pick it? Yeah. I have Maryland. Now this I don't know. It might be it might be my soft heart a little bit here. I've got Maryland twenty eight, Indiana seventeen. Really. I think the Hoosiers are going to score a little bit. I think they're going to scheme some stuff up. I think the defense is going to come out. I think the first half is going to be really competitive. Okay. And then I think the second half is going to be less competitive. Well, I, I, I could, you know, if Taven Jackson has a, 
a fast start and he looks like he did a couple weeks ago, I think that's possible. I can see that. Um, I, I guess, you know, I would love to see that. Um, I just, just think this Maryland offense is just, like I said, too, just too good. I think that this is going to be a little higher scoring on Maryland's part. I think it's going to come down. Maryland's going to have 38 and Indiana 17. Yeah. So you think me, you think Indiana is going to move the ball a little bit too. I think they will. I think, you know, cause I do think Taven Jackson is good and Lucas is good. I think they have the ability to score some points. Yeah. Um, but I think Maryland is just going to score a lot more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that could happen, right? Like yeah. if Indy for Indiana to be competitive, they're going to have to get an early lead and then play from that position. Right. Yes. Kind of like Rutgers got that early lead on Michigan. Yeah. Um, but if they don't do that, if 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 Maryland gets an early lead, then it's it's going to get ugly. I agree with you. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next game, we have the two and two Illinois Illini at the one and three Purdue Boilermakers. This is a two thirty p.m. game on Peacock. So if you want to go back to past episodes, you can hear my rant about how it's ridiculous with the amount of revenue that these schools are making that they're forcing their viewers to get P their fans to the lifeblood of their programs to get Peacock to watch their team play. I think that's absurd. And I know it's going to happen in Minnesota at some point, And I'm going to be so angry when I have to get Peacock <laughs> and there better be a free trial. Cause I am not keeping that. I'm not <laughs> doing it. All right. The line is even. So this is a pick em. So this is projected to be a really good game this week. Maybe the best in the Big Ten. Uh, total yards, Illinois is averaging 395 to produce 397. Yards allowed, Illinois is giving up 423 to produce 404. Illinois ranks 52nd in SP+. They are 77th offensively, 30th defensively, and 63rd on special teams. Purdue is 77th in SP+. They are 71st on offense, 76th on defense, and 109th on special teams. For Illinois, Luke Altmaier is completing 65% of his passes. He's got 874 yards on 7.4 yards per attempt, four TDs, but seven picks. Um, It's a huge number of interceptions to touchdowns thrown, although he did avoid turnovers in last week's game against FAU, which helped them um, lead them to victory. Reggie Love leads the way in rushing with 248 yards, but overall Illinois has had a hard time running the ball this year. And receiving wise, Isaiah Williams leads the way with 333 yards, but Pat Bryan has been the second banana at times. Need more consistency out of the rest of the receiving crew. Williams is incredible, but he can't do it all himself. Um, By contrast, Purdue's defense has been a total mess as the Boilermakers have just gotten shredded week in and week out. They're giving up point totals in the high 30s in all of their losses. On offense, Hudson Cards uh, completing 63% of his passes for 1,027 yards and 6.9 yards per attempt, but he does have three TDs and the three picks. Uh, Maccabee's been the starter at running back, but Tyrone Tracy has been the better of the two RBs, and I think, John, we both think Purdue should start giving him most of the carries. Yeah. But so far, they haven't, so it'll be interesting to monitor who gets the most carries in the Purdue backfield this week. Um, Deion Burks is a solid wide receiver one and Abdur Rahman Yassin has been a solid wide receiver two for Purdue. Um, can Purdue find a way to stop anybody? Can Luke Altmaier avoid turning the ball over for a second consecutive weeks? 
Um, John, what do you think about this game? Yeah, I think this, I've been very intrigued by this game. I think this could go either way. I do. Yeah, this is going to be an exciting game to watch. Yeah, I mean, I could see a scenario where Illinois pulls this out, and I could also see a scenario scenario where Purdue um, wins the game. But I, my, I'm leaning a little bit towards Purdue. Not a lot, but a little due to the fact of like, I think Hudson Card is the superior quarterback. I think they have a few more weapons offensively that look a little bit better than Illinois at this point. Um, you know, but obviously then the factor is, is can their defense stop Illinois from scoring points, which we'll see. Um, but if Illinois shoots themselves in the foot, you know, or vice versa, you know, it could definitely go the other way. Um, I do think Illinois obviously has the better defense. Uh, so I don't, this is a tough one, man. I, I don't yeah. know which way to go on this. I think at, from what I've seen, Thus far, Purdue looks like they're prob they like they look like they're slightly the slightly better team because I think Tyrone Tracy is just so good. Um, he's he and if 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 they're smart and they continue to to hand him the ball, they they could really do well. And I think uh, Hudson Card is is good enough if he if, as long as he protects the ball, you know he can he can do some really really uh, really good things for that offense, but. Illinois just has been too inconsistent offensively to, in my opinion, to maybe be able to score enough points uh, to win this game. But, you know, we'll see if, if Purdue's op- defense can just be OK. I think Purdue could could take this. Yeah, that's interesting because I think both offensive put up numbers, but ultimately I think the worst unit in this game is the Purdue defense. Yeah, yeah. And I just... I know Illinois made, uh, I know Altmaier has had a lot of picks and stuff this year, but I think he kind of found something last week. And I just think Illinois will make fewer mistakes. I don't know. I think Purdue is still in that first step of rebuilding. And that first rebuilding year is really tough to find a way to win. You're so probably- even when they look good, I just, I just never believe they're going to win the game. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that's common in a rebuild. I don't think I'm not I'm not trying to pick on Purdue. I think that that in year one, that can happen a lot, especially when it's a true rebuild as this is. No, I don't disagree. I and, you know, and I got to give it to the fact that, you know, give it to Illinois that they do have as of right now, the proven coach they've got, you know, they they Bilama, I think will be will have them prepared. I think they'll have them ready to go. Um, it would not surprise me if Illinois did come out looking a lot better in this. I just, I don't know why it's just something about, I can see the potential in Purdue, I guess. And, and I can see it in Illinois, but there's just something just sticking with me for some reason that I'm, I'm leaning a bit little ways towards Purdue. I don't know why. I don't know. I guess I can't really give you a good reason. (laughs) Well, then this will be the one we disagree on this, this week. So I'm interested to hear your score. I've got Illinois 30 Purdue 27. Okay, I've got Purdue 28, and I've got Illinois 24. All right, so we will see. So this will be the one where we see who was right this week, I think. Mm-hmm. Unless you're going to pick Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get we'll to get that. We'll get to it. All right. Yeah. In fact, we're going to get to it right now. Oh, all right. So we've good. got two and two Wagner at two and two Rutgers Scarlet Knights. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on the Big Ten Network. There is no line on this game because Wagner is an FCS team. All right. Um, Go to the SP+. Uh, Rutgers is 
83rd offensively, 43rd defensively, and 76 on special teams. Wagner's QB is Steven Krajewski, who has 581 yards on 52% uh, completion on six yards per attempt, uh, five TDs and two picks. Wagner's running game has been anemic. Their top receivers are Trevor Shorter and Mark Didio Jr. Wagner isn't very good. They got shut out by Navy and crushed by Fordham. Um, in contrast, Rutgers is led by a stingy defense. Gavin Wimsat at quarterback is impro- improving all the time, but is still completing just 52% of his passes for a average 6.7 yards per attempt. He's got four TDs in the one pick. But this offense goes as Kyle Manungai goes with his 384 yards and 5.6 yards per rush and five TDs. Against Michigan, he couldn't get going and Rutgers couldn't get going. Against Wagner, I expect a heavy dose of Kyle Manungai. Um, Rutgers has no true standout receivers, but uses Dramel, Jackson, and Washington a decent amount. Um, I think this is going to be a good day for Rutgers, John. What do you think? Yeah, I think it is too. Um, you know, for for me, what I want to see with Rutgers in this game uh, is, you know, I just don't want them to fall asleep at the wheel, um, you know, and just make some kind of stupid mistake. I think even if they did, they would still win. But I just, you know, I want to see this just look like a clean game. I think they need to set the tone early. Um, you know, I know the talk is like just a bit, a little bit of digging I've I, I was able to find on Wagner is that you know they're they're you know they're improved from last year, which is not to say much. But they are, uh, you know, so sure. I think, you know, Rutgers just needs to score early and often dominate the line of scrimmage, no turnovers. And I actually think they should let Wimsett throw the ball. I, I, I don't think they need to, but I think they should because they're going to need him to be better um, as the season goes on. And I yeah, think if Rutgers is going to make a bowl game. They're going to have to develop that passing, keep developing that passing game. Exactly. And so that's what I'm hoping they do. I hope they don't just run Manungai into the ground. Um, obviously he needs to get some touches as well, but I, I think if you can get Wimsat even more comfortable in the pocket, that's just going to be, it's going to pay dividends down the line. So, and then defensively Rutgers just needs to keep doing what they've been doing, man. I, I think, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll be fine. And, and, uh, this should be, should be a breeze. Absolutely. Should we just go ahead and pick it? I will say this. I did date a girl who went to Wagner college. So, oh, you did. I know where it is. I've been on campus. I've seen the All football right. field. They do have a team. It's a real. It's a real school. All right. Well, John. <laughs> John has the inside info. Yeah. So that's why you come to We Live for Saturday. Yeah. These kinds of these kinds of firsthand insights. It's it's on Staten Island, New York City. So uh, it's it's there. <laughs> All right. So football in New York City. That's not something you get very often. No. No. All right. Awesome. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next game or the oh, last we're game. We're going to pick it? Oh, yeah, you're right. We should do that, shouldn't we? Yes. Excuse me. I got ahead of myself. It's all, right. all right. I've got Rutgers 41, Wagner 7. All right. I know you were just amazed at all of those amazing little tidbits of facts and inside information, so I get it. Uh, yeah, you, you did. You blew yeah. me away. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got Rutgers uh, 42 and Wagner Six. Sure. I, I'm debating on three or six, but I, I'm gonna I'll give them the extra extra field goal. Give them that six? Yeah. All right. Okay, moving on to the last game. We have the two and two Michigan State Spartans at the three and one Iowa Hawkeyes. This is a six thirty PM game on NBC, or if you really want to, you can watch it on Peacock. The line is Iowa negative twelve and a half. 
Um, Sparty can't stop turning the ball over and Iowa can't move the ball on offense. So this could be a really interesting game. Yeah. Sparty's averaging 377 total yards. Iowa's just 246. That's wild. Wow. Um, yards allowed. Sparty's giving up 372 and Iowa's giving up 314. Um, in the SP plus Michigan state is 63rd. They are 79th offensively 40th defensively and 30th on special teams. Iowa is 39th. They are 108th offensively second in the whole country defensively and 25th on special teams. Uh, Michigan state QB Noah Kim's completing 57% of his passes for 897 yards on 7.7 yards per attempt. He's got three TDs, or sorry, six TDs and three picks. Nathan Carter leads the rushing attack with 369 yards and 5.1 yards per rush and four TDs. Um, Kim likes to spread it out around to a lot of receivers, including wide receivers Jerron Glover and Trey Mosley and also tight end Malik Carr. Iowa offense, Cade McNamara has just 459 yards on 51% completions, four TDs and three picks. He's obviously playing hurt, John, which makes him like a statue out there. He can barely run, and the defense does not have to account for his legs at all, which is making it a lot tougher for Iowa to move the ball. Um, Iowa's three RBs who have played a decent amount, but Caleb Johnson and Jazz Patterson are currently hurt, or at least they're not showing up on the depth chart this week, I believe, last time I checked. So they're counting on LaShawn Williams, and he's doing doing a good job at 6.9 yards per rush. At receiver, Iowa's number one target was Luke Lachey, with Lachey out, Iowa struggled to find any other tight ends or wide receivers who could make plays. This caused their offense to ground to a halt. And um, I mean, Sparty honestly couldn't be getting Iowa at a better time. Kirk Ferentz came out this week and said he's going to throw it to that wide receivers more. And huh. this is Iowa. So that counts as news. Um, Cade McNamara had a great answer. He was hilarious. They asked him what's going on and why he's not throwing it more to the wide receivers. And he's like, I don't call the plays. I just play quarterback. (laughs) He's like, I just, he's like, I said, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was basically like, like I take the snap and I find who's open and I throw it. Like, it's not up to me to like decide what's, what's happening. (laughs) That's, that's fantastic. I love, I know a lot of people hate on Cade McNamara when he says stuff like that, but I think it's, I think it's awesome. He's just like, He's just like, hey, this is how it is. What are you going to say? So um, I was coming off a game where they didn't score a single point and only had four first downs. So why are they a 12 and a half point favorite? It's because Sparty turns the ball over so much. And Kirk Ferentz has made a living for a long time out of scoring points off turnovers and winning games that way. So I think that's why the, the spread is what it is. John, what are you thinking about this game? I am actually, this actually is the the game I'm going to be watching the closest. I, 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 yeah, this should be a really good one. I, here's the thing, like, and, and you and I have had this discussion. Um, I, Michigan state doesn't lack talent. No, if they somehow are able to keep from, if they can protect the ball better and somehow find a way to, to find some kind of weakness in that Iowa defense, which is incredibly difficult. I know that. But the talent is there to make something possibly happen and upset Iowa. I I don't necessarily, I don't think I would put money on this, but uh, that that Iowa offense is just so, 
anemic and 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 I don't know I I just I I don't know how it's going to continue to I don't know how they're going to continue to win games um, throughout the rest of the season. I, I was really high on them earlier, but you know, this, the Hudson card injury and losing Luke Shea and you know, their running backs. I mean, it's just, it's, it's going to be, you real- mean Cade McNamara injury. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Cade McNamara. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, we, uh, we've said this before about Iowa though. Yeah. And that's then true. they find a way to rattle off nine or 10 wins. So I, and, it's like yeah. they it's it's I'm never counting. I've counted Kirk Ferentz out before. I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I don't care how bad the offense looks. I'm not counting him out yet. Yeah. That's, and that's pro- that's very, very smart. I'm just uh, I I just can see the talent with this Michigan State team. Uh, and, and if they did fix their mistakes, they could possibly pull out a win in this game. They'd have to, they can't have any turnovers. Yes. Because Iowa will score off of turnovers. So if yeah. Michigan State's going to win this game, they have to protect the ball a lot better than they did last week against Maryland. Yes. Uh, but I don't know, man. I, this, I, I don't know. I've just got a feeling, too, with this game that this could be more interesting than what people are expecting. Oh, I think this is going to be really close. Yeah. Because, because, Iowa is a 12 and a half point favorite. That seems like a really big number for me. Oh yeah. Just, just with how few points they've been scoring. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm surprised at that. I, I don't, I, I think it should be a lot closer than that. I mean, I think that's like basically saying Michigan state isn't going to score. And I think Michigan state has the pieces to score. They do. Absolutely. When, no, when, when they take care of the ball, they move it decently. Well, Noah Kim's mobile and he throws it. He throws a decent ball. Nathan Carter's a good running back. I mean, he's got some targets downfield that are solid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I think this, if they can just get out of their own way. Now, the question is, you know, with their coach officially gone, is that like, does that hurt them even more? Or is that kind of freeing for them where they're like, are yeah. they like, hey, it's over. There's no worrying about Mel anymore. He's gone. We can put mm-hmm. him out of our minds. Like, is this what, what galvanizes Sparty and brings them together? Or do they come apart at the seams completely? It's, I think both are on the table. Absolutely. And that's why this is really intriguing to me is I don't know if this team is going to come out there with like, I like not a care in the world and they're just going to be out there and having fun and loose and, and then somehow pull out a win. Or are they going to be like, just like apathetic? I don't even care anymore. I'm transferring out next week anyways. Uh, peace, you know, or, you know, so it makes you, it makes you wonder. I don't know. I think the tools are there right now. Um, but, We'll see. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. I'm really excited about this game. I'm glad it's the lone night game, mm-hmm. um, so that we can really focus on it. Absolutely. I am. I'm pumped. Uh, should we pick it? Yeah, let's pick it. All right. I've got Iowa seventeen, Sparty ten. I okay. think it's close. I think. I think Sparty's in this game. I think it's back and forth. I think ultimately Sparty com- commits one or two turnovers that Iowa turns into touchdowns, and that's how they win the game. All right. Well, I have Michigan State 17, Iowa 13. Ooh, okay. Yeah. 
Picking the upset, John. I'm doing it. I'm doing it, man. I don't All know. Right. I just got a feeling. I got a feeling. Now, yeah. now, you know, I will I be surprised if Iowa wins? No. But I just got this feeling, man, that somehow something's going to click enough that Sparty could pull this out. That would be wild if they do. Yeah. That could be. But I do think it's on the table because I think Sparty has the pieces. I think they have a decent players on their team. It's not, you know, if they can all, if they can get them to rally together, um, maybe Harlan Barnett can pull off, pull off the upset. It'd be huge. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening as always. Uh, we live for Saturday. We are always excited to preview the games and then we'll be back on Sunday to review the results and see if John, John and I, we had, uh, we had two disagreements on games. So we'll see who was right and who was wrong. I always like to check that out and, you know, <laughs> take a mental tally. Should we, f- listener, should we start posting our picks so you can see who's right and wrong? We can start doing that. Yeah. Maybe we yeah. should start doing that. Yeah, we'll start yeah, doing that. Way, let us know what you think for sure. Yeah. yeah, let us know if you think that's a good idea. And um, yeah, John, you want to make an announcement? Absolutely. Once again, uh, We Live for Saturday can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, podcast addict and Google podcasts. And you can find us on Twitter um, at we live for B one G sat. That's at we live for B one G sat. Please give us a follow on all of those platforms. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking us up on any of the podcast platforms, please give us a five-star review. Um, let us know what you think. Um, and for future um if for future mailbag, which we plan on doing here at some point down the line, and we'll announce that, we'll let you know. But right now, I'll just let you know what the email is. You can email us at WeLiveForSaturdayB1G at gmail.com. That's WeLiveForSaturdayB1G at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about a potential mailbag episode. I'm really excited to watch football this weekend, John. Do me too, man. I th- I'm really excited about this slate of games. Yep. I hope All I right. hope to leave like feeling a lot better this weekend. Yes, hoping for a good week. Hoping to see some great football. Hoping that for some fan bases that have been down, that they can feel a little better this week. <laughs> we'll see. We'll be back. But regardless, win, lose, or draw. Well, there's no draw. This is college football. But win <laughs> or lose, we'll be back on Sunday to talk about it. And go through it. And if you win, you can come to celebrate your team's victory. And if you lose, you can come to commiserate as we talk about the sadness of the defeat. There you go. All right. Well, thank you for listening to We Live for Saturday. And we will see you all soon. Take care.